Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the CBS News Roundup ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This is the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Coming up, lawmakers debate new rules regulating artificial intelligence and its possible dangers. My biggest nightmare long term is displacement of workers and job losses. A governor expected to take his conservative views national in the 2024 presidential race. The state of Florida is where woke goes to die. In the Kaleidoscope with Allison Keyes segment, a personal take on laws restricting gender-affirming care. Your gender is not determined by your physicality or by your medical treatment. It's determined by who you are. I'm Allison Keyes in the Washington Bureau. Growing questions in the nation about artificial intelligence, known as AI, and what dangers could be posed by the technology evolving at the speed of light. How will it affect jobs? And what about scammers using chatbots to scam the elderly out of their money? Even leaders in the industry like Sam Altman, who runs ChatGPT, admits there are risks. I think if this technology goes wrong, it can go quite wrong. The Senate Judiciary Committee held a hearing this week, and the chairman, Democratic Senator Richard Blumenthal, opened it with an AI-generated version of his own voice. Too often, we have seen what happens when technology outpaces regulation. CBS's Scott McFarlane joins us. This is a rare moment in Washington where both parties, everybody agrees something needs to get done. Everybody is of the same mindset that there needs to be regulation, guardrails, safety plans, maybe even a federal agency to oversee artificial intelligence because it's growing so fast and it's growing so widely. But they don't know what to do because members of Congress are certainly not expert at AI. Really, it's difficult to understand how the federal government can corral something it doesn't fully yet understand. The head of the chat GPT spoke to lawmakers and basically said, help us, tell us what to do. And the industry itself is interestingly asking for regulation, saying we need guardrails. We need safety rules because we recognize the significance and the impact of what we're working on. I mean, AI is no longer just that robot vacuum that runs around your house or your GPS on your phone or that smart speaker in your living room. It is impactful in ways we can't even imagine the potential for deep fake videos and audio that can replicate our faces and our voices without our consent the potential for this to help medical insurers to help pilots astronauts doctors professionals of all sorts it's so wide it's so vast that even the industry is kind of concerned about its own potential and the potential is coming faster than they expected. They are further along now than they ever envisioned being. So Lord knows where they're going to be six or six months from now or six years from now. I see a lot of stories about artificial intelligence systems that are being used to con elderly Americans out of their money, right? Pretending to be their daughters in desperate need. 
you know, I'm, I'm curious, did they have any idea of uh, just a, a, a light parameter of what kind of legislation they're thinking of? Or are they really just at the drawing board right now? Now, there, there are some ideas being floated, but they're kind of like drawing board stage. They've talked about maybe safety labels, like the FDA puts on food, safety labels put on AI technology, maybe a three letter federal agency to help license people to implement or use AI technology and to police the industry, not just to make sure it's safe, but also to make sure it's equitable, that it's inclusive and that it's available to people of all means in all areas of the country. Um, one of those agencies, you know, would likely be something that would take months or years to create, but they'd also need to have people who are expert in AI to staff and run it. And the supply of people at this moment who are expert in AI is dangerously short and certainly not looking for a government salary. And really briefly, you spoke to a school, an HBCU, where they're thinking this is technology that students need to learn. At Morgan State University in Baltimore, they have created, they say by necessity and by choice, an AI educational curriculum and center to make sure that everybody's voice is heard when the AI is being created, when AI is being developed, but also to ensure that the students have futures that are employable. I mean, there seems to be this realization, no matter what your major is in college, you better have some exposure to AI if you want to get a job in that industry after you graduate. CBS's Scott McFarlane. This week, South Carolina's Republican-led House approved a ban on most abortions after six weeks. WBTW-TV's Manny Martinez reports. The governor has called the Senate into special session next week to debate it. We've been uh, fighting this fight since 1973. Abortion bans aren't good for anybody. They're making it worse. Reaction from both sides to the South Carolina House of Representatives approving a six-week abortion ban. Lawmakers in Columbia spent more than 24 hours on the bill, which includes exceptions for rape, incest, the life of the mother, and fetal abnormalities. To be honest with you, I, I didn't know I would ever see this happening. Um, you know, the other side has been very strong and very vocal. Unless you're trying to have a baby, you likely do not know that you're pregnant until past six weeks. Polling from earlier this year by the South Carolina Policy Council found 52% of likely South Carolina voters believe abortion should be legal only under certain circumstances. 34% thought it should be legal under any circumstance. 14% support a total ban. It's not just Democrats who get abortions. We fund them for everybody. Everyone, you know, needs health care. Health care for a woman does not include killing, killing her child. Current South Carolina abortion laws are some of the least restrictive in the South. Right now, people live up to 22 weeks for an abortion. Approval of the six-week ban would mean abortion restrictions in 21 U.S. states, with the southern block from Texas east to the Atlantic. I think um, in God's time, we will see the end of abortion in the world. I may not see it. You may not see it, but I believe it's going to happen. My grandma, who passed away, unfortunately, in 2010, you know, she had more rights to her body than I currently have now, and my kids will hopefully not have to go through it for the rest of their lives. But we're fighting this fight that we already fought, and that gets discouraging for people. North Carolina banned most abortions after 12 weeks Tuesday after overriding the governor's veto of the ban. WTVR-TV's Bree Season reports there are concerns that Virginia could now become a destination for women seeking the procedure. We applaud North Carolina for moving forward to protect life. The Family Foundation of Virginia says legislatures write complex laws every day and figure 
figuring out a nuanced approach to reproductive care can and should be done. We are very concerned that we are vulnerable to become a state where people travel to take the life of their unborn child. And communities are definitely gearing up um, to try to prevent that. Victoria Cobb, the foundation's president, points to Bristol, Virginia, where the foundation helped draft an amendment to the city's zoning code when the overturn of Roe v. Wade triggered Bristol, Tennessee's clinic to try moving states. What these bans do is they create this ripple effect. Planned Parenthood advocates fear more restrictions in surrounding states will add pressure to Virginia's health care systems as women travel further to terminate a pregnancy. It is bound to affect us if we are seeing so many people who are facing restrictions all across the South. One note, civil rights activist, actor, and football star Jim Brown has died at 87. Coming up, the latest on the debt ceiling standoff. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Allison Keyes. A busy week for lawmakers as those fraught debt ceiling negotiations get a snag again on Friday. CBS's Nicole Killian joins us to explain. Yeah, well, it definitely has been a roller coaster here on Capitol Hill in the sense that at the beginning of the week, Speaker McCarthy said that he didn't see much movement. Then midweek, he sounded very optimistic once a negotiating team had put, put in place and once he was allowed to negotiate directly with the White House. And then late in the week, we saw congressional Republicans in the White House take a pause with members of the speaker's team uh, telling us that they felt that the White House was being unreasonable in its position. So uh, these talks have really been all over the place. And of course, we know that there is not much time to reach an agreement with respect to lifting the debt ceiling because the Treasury Secretary has warned that if there is no action by the beginning of June, then the U.S. could very well default on its obligations which could lead to an economic catastrophe. And let me also ask you, Nicole, I know you've also been covering the health of California Senator Dianne Feinstein because people are calling on her to resign. She's 89 years old. What's going on? The senator has continued to show up for critical meetings and votes here on Capitol Hill. I attempted to speak with her when she was on the Hill Thursday for a Judiciary Committee meeting, uh, but she did not talk to reporters. I asked her how her recovery uh, was going. I also asked her what she thought about calls for her to resign. And again, she did not respond, but she has been very clear in statements uh, that she has put out 
that she is going to continue on the job. That was in large part why she made the decision to come back because of pressing issues like the debt limit and confirming judges. Uh, now, that being said, her office did disclose this week that her diagnosis was more serious than previously thought and that she suffered from other conditions related to her shingles diagnosis. So, for instance, they did disclose that uh, while she was dealing with the issue of shingles. Uh, she did suffer from encephalitis or swelling from the brain, which resolved itself shortly after she was released from the hospital. But they also disclosed that she continues to suffer with a shingles-related disorder called Ramsey-Hunt syndrome, which is a neurological condition. Uh, it's something that can uh, impact the facial uh, nerve. And so from that standpoint, uh, this is something that was not previously disclosed. Uh, that being said, many senators on Capitol Hill, both Democrats and Republicans, particularly senators, have tried to be very supportive of Senator Feinstein. Uh, they say that it is her decision to make when and if she decides to step down. But there are some progressive members of Congress like Brokana, who I spoke to this week, who continue to call on the senator to resign. CBS's Nicole Killian. The 2024 presidential race is heating up. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, the chamber's only black Republican, filed paperwork Friday and is scheduled a formal announcement on Monday. This is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. It's about to officially throw his hat into the ring. For months, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has been coy about his plans to enter the race. Stay tuned on that. But now he's expected to formally launch a campaign next week. The rising Republican Party star has long been seen as the top rival to former President Donald Trump, who spent months attacking him. I'm leading to sanctimonious by a lot. I think he ought to just relax and take it easy and think about the future, because right now his future is not looking so good. The attacks appear to have knocked DeSantis back. He's fallen 10 points among GOP voters since March. The two men are now sparring over who's stronger when it comes to curbing access to abortion services. DeSantis signed a ban on the procedures after six weeks, which Trump wouldn't say he supports. I'm looking at a solution that's going to work. So DeSantis, knowing GOP primary voters support his move, struck back on Tuesday. I signed a bill. I was proud to do it. He won't answer whether he would sign it or not. But so far, it's DeSantis' fight with Disney that's gotten the most attention. The governor went to war with the company after it criticized his so-called don't-say-gay legislation. No corporation is above the law and the people of this state. Disney has since sued the governor for carrying out a campaign of political retribution and its scrapping plans to move thousands of more workers to the state. Aides say DeSantis is expected to run on his robust conservative record. Among other things, he signed controversial bills loosening gun rights, banning gender-affirming care for transgender youth, and restricting drag shows. The state of Florida is where woke goes to die. On that fight with Disney, DeSantis's attacks may not sit well with traditional Republican voters who prefer a more hands-off approach from government when it comes to big business. Former President Trump noticed Disney's move and faulted DeSantis for getting, quote, caught in the mousetrap. Ed O'Keefe, CBS News, Washington. It's college graduation season and the new grads are entering the workforce. But what kind of plan do they need to pay off student debt and consider retirement and health care options? If you have a student loan or any other debt, create a list of each loan. Include monthly payment amounts and the interest rate. Focus on the highest interest loans and then systematically work your way down to the lower interest ones. 
for parents, if you can afford to help the kids without jeopardizing your own financial security, that's fine. But no borrowing against the house or the 401k. If your first job offers health care, consider a high deductible plan to keep costs down. If not, remember, parents can keep children on their own health insurance plans until age 26. Finally, while the cash flow might be tight for new grads with a brand new job, if it includes a retirement plan, try to contribute to it at least up to the company's match if one exists. Review the investment options within the plan and opt for lower cost index funds if they're available. If there's no plan through your employer, open a Roth IRA at any of the major low cost firms. In New York, I'm CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger. Now to the end of an era. Listen to the music on the radio. That might be impossible for many soon because of car makers. In an age of little bipartisanship in Washington, a group of bipartisan U.S. lawmakers have introduced legislation to prevent automakers from eliminating AM broadcast radio in their new vehicles. Curtis Legette is president and CEO of the National Association of Broadcasters. There are tens of millions of, of listeners who rely on AM radio not only for news, information, entertainment, but also in times of emergency. Some lawmakers say losing AM radio undermines a crucial federal system for providing key public safety information to the public. Legit agrees. AM radio is the entry point for the emergency alerting system system and FEMA's uh, entry point to ensuring that stations across the country, both radio and television, uh, are airing emergency alerts. At least eight automakers have removed AM broadcast radio from their electric vehicles. Jim Crisula, CBS News. Coming up, Ukrainian kids and the Russian war. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Allison Keyes. A year ago this week in Ukraine, the Russian siege of Mariupol ended. CBS's Charlie Daggett has spoke with two Ukrainian soldiers who were captured. For months, the soldiers of Ukraine's Azov regiment withstood relentless Russian bombardment beneath the sprawling steelworks complex until there was no choice but to surrender or die. Chief Sergeant Kirillo and Commander Arsen Dimitrik were among the men hauled away to a Russian POW camp. Were you fearful for your life? Yes, of course. This is what Krilo looked like when he was released in a prisoner swap four months after their surrender. It didn't look like you had enough to eat. We ate food with no calorific value, mostly with no salt, tea with no sugar, and nothing overall. I lost 30 kilos. That's more than 65 pounds. 
They won't discuss whether they were tortured in order to protect their fellow POWs still inside. But it was about to get much worse. Commander Arson says some of his men were transferred into another barracks when there was a massive explosion followed by an inferno. Arson describes the scene as a vision of hell. Everything was on fire. All of the guys are screaming. Some bodies are starting to burn down. Our boys started giving medical aid on the spot. Most people are of the belief that the Russians were responsible for that. What is your belief? It was Russians, 100%. More than 50 of their fellow service members perished. The two men again escaped death. They want to see their family. Then forced onto Russian TV, they said, to show how well they'd been treated. Eventually, they were freed in a prisoner swap. When their health improved, they went right back to fight. Do you think you'll get Mariupol back? Obviously, 100%. Now it's personal for us against them. Not only to win, but in their words, to prove the Russians didn't break us. The Russian war is taking a toll on children. 13-year-old Andrei runs for cover and dives into a trench with his 10-year-old friend Maxim. Their weapons are fake, but these Ukrainian children are caught up in a very real conflict. My dad died during the war, Maxim says. With the battle against Russia now in its second year, hostile scenarios have seeped into children's games across the country. Stop, you're a hostage, she shouts. Eight-year-old Dana Shevchenko says, in my eyes, all Russians are evil. That's a view her mother, Lesya, doesn't share as she tries to teach her children not all Russians support the war. She says, my daughter used to ask one question to kids on the playground. What's your name? Now she asks, where are you from? At the Kovalenko home in Kiev, mother of two, Irina, says it's important to tell children the truth. She says we teach them from a young age, Russians are collectively responsible for the war, and those who are good have to prove it. Her six-year-old daughter, Sophia, says, my mother told me they're launching bombs into Ukraine from Russia, and Putin is very bad. Back on the make-believe battlefield, Andre says, I'd volunteer to fight right now if I could. We can't let Russia win. Young Ukrainians trying to comprehend a war that shows no signs of stopping. Tina Kraus, CBS News. The U.N. says it is likely that the world will hit a key warming threshold within a few years. The U.N.'s weather agency, the World Meteorological Organization, and the U.K.'s Weather Service said this week that temperatures around the world are likely to reach record highs over the next five years. World Weather Secretary General Dr. Pateri Salas was clear about his warning. We estimated this uh, during the coming five years we would hit uh, 1.5 on temporary basis but uh, during the coming 15 to 20 years, we estimated that might be more the permanent uh, permanent feature of uh, of climate. And uh, actually, there's no return back to the good old uh, days uh, because we already have such a high concentration of carbon dioxide, and of, also of course we have also increased the methane concentration in the atmosphere. 
and uh, the best uh, that, that we can do is to is to phase out this uh, negative uh, trend. The world has been inching closer to the 1.5 degree threshold due to human-caused climate change for years. But now the deadline is approaching, and world leaders are sending alarm bells to reduce emissions of greenhouse gases. And the most uh, dramatic uh, changes we expect to happen uh, in the Arctic, where we have already seen more than double the global uh, warming taking place. And uh, during the coming five years, the estimation is that, uh, that the uh, Arctic temperatures would uh, be three times uh, the global averages. So, so we will see more dramatic uh, uh, impacts uh, there. Everyone will feel the impact, says Dr. Leon Hermanson, the UK's weather expert who led the report. So what we don't talk about so much in the report um, are some of the impacts related to extremes and I think those are the ones which worry me the most. Nobody's going to be untouched by these changes that are, that are happening, that have happened. And it's, you know, it's leading already to floods across the world, to droughts, and, you know, big movements of people. And I think that's what we need to uh, work better to understand in terms of what this report implies for those things. But with all the dire predictions, Hermanson said there is reason to persevere. I think it's important to realize that if we pass 1.5 degrees, it's not a reason to give up, right? That we need to emit as few as possible of the greenhouse gases and any emissions that we manage to cut will reduce the warming and this will reduce these big uh, extreme impacts we've been talking about. Pamela Falk, CBS News at the United Nations. Scary moments at the Vatican after a car rushed one of the entrance gates on Thursday and reached a palace courtyard before the suspect was caught. CBS's Chris Livesay reports Pope Francis was not hurt. The Swiss guards, the ones who wear those colorful clothing, the medieval style clothing, uh, they initially turned the vehicle back, but then moments later it came storming ahead at full speed and was able to break through the gate. The gendarmes, that's the Vatican security, they actually fired upon the vehicle, aiming for the tires, only striking the front fender, so the vehicle made it all the way to an internal courtyard where the suspect was apprehended and he remains in custody. The Vatican says he apparently suffers from psychiatric problems. It was a very rare breach of this heavily guarded area, but not the first time. In fact, back in 2009, a woman who the Vatican says was disturbed uh, was able to jump over a police barricade at a Christmas mass and try to assail Pope Benedict. She was unsuccessful and Pope Benedict uh, was unharmed. Coming up in the Kaleidoscope with Allison Keyes segment, a personal take on the nation's transgender laws. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. 
on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Welcome to the Kaleidoscope with Allison Key segment, where every week we discuss issues including income inequality. This time we're talking about the legislation passed this week in Texas banning gender-affirming medical treatments and surgeries for transgender children. It passed amid loud protest at the Capitol. It is among at least 14 other states that have bans or restrictions on medical procedures for transgender children, including Florida. Former CBS News correspondent Kristen Browdy, attorney and vice president of the LGBTQ plus caucus for the Florida Democratic Party, came out as transgender in 2016. We spoke with her about her journey, but began by asking her reaction to this latest legislation. It's hard to tell whether the worst part of it is the hypocrisy, the unnecessariness or the cruelty of these bills. Uh, These are all aimed at imposing one or two minority groups, religions on the population. They are the absolute antithesis of freedom. DeSantis calls Florida the freedom state. It's no longer the freedom state. It's a nanny state with theocrats on top, and Texas is no different. And you have a very personal story about this, having been a former CBS News radio and TV correspondent. And You went through this back when people were still calling it a sex change operation. Tell people a little bit about what happened for you. Well, the first thing the first thing that people have to understand is that coming out as transgender does not mean necessarily that you have either had any form of surgery or that you have had any form of hormone therapy. Your gender is not determined by your physicality or by your medical treatment. It's determined by who you are. Um, So people who say, oh, it's a sex change operation are missing it by a mile. And that's one of the flaws that goes into so much of the thinking in the right wing about this legislation. They're saying you're mutilating the genitals of children. No, that does not happen. No surgeon of any repute or any skill performs genital surgery on children. It simply is not done not only for moral reasons, but because that would defeat the purpose when they grow up of having them being properly functioning adults. It simply is not done. What is done for children most often who express gender variance is they're given a different haircut or they might be given a change of clothing. Very rarely is there any medication involved until they are much older until they are approaching puberty. And cisgender, that is non-transgender kids, often get puberty blockers because they're entering puberty too quickly. For a transgender child, it can be exactly the same. There is no difference in the therapy whatsoever, nor is there any difference necessarily in how long that therapy goes on for. So the fears of, oh my goodness, it's untested, We don't know the long-term effect. Nobody's taking blockers long-term. That simply isn't done because you don't need them long-term. At some point, you either, A, go into full hormone therapy, hormone replacement therapy when you're older, or B, decide that this isn't for you and stop. And either way is acceptable, but neither matches the fear and hysteria that you hear from politicians like DeSantis and Abbott. Kristen, I've got to jump in and ask you, you 
made your change in New York City a long time ago. So you've had a very different experience than what people are dealing with now. Is that right? Absolutely true. Um, When I came out, I was actually living in Westchester County and working in New York City and in Westchester at the time. Uh, And the reaction was, okay, uh, that's fine. If that's who you are. I was working for a... I was the secretary of the town board of ethics in the town of Newcastle, New York, which is in Westchester. And I called up my Republican town supervisor and said, uh, listen, I'm going to be coming out. Do you want me to resign? Because I don't want to, you know, in any way get in the way of the work that we've been doing. And he said, no, why, why would I want that? If that's what you're going to do, great. You know, wish you the best of luck. Uh, and that was the reception. I am certain that there were people who said things behind my back. But it was a close to seamless transition for me uh, in terms of the way other people saw me. Um, There was a lot of paperwork to go through. There was a lot of wardrobe change to go through and change in the way that I dealt with other people because everybody had to, you had to have a conversation with people who were your friends and with your adversaries in court cases, because I'm a lawyer, uh, and with the judges. And there were very few, if any, problems. That's not the same experience that someone younger might have. And it's certainly not the experience that someone would have in a state like Florida or Texas. Talk to me briefly about why it is so different, because one would think decades later that it would be less drama, but it's the opposite of that. Well, it's not decades. I mean, it's almost a decade. A but, decade, um, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, it should be without drama. It should be without drama. Unfortunately, uh, there are people who have not figured out that being transgender or not being transgender is no more significant to your capabilities, to your qualities as a person, than whether you are right or left-handed, whether you're blonde or brunette. It should make absolutely no difference. If you were a good person before you came out, a competent person before you came out, none of that changes. All that changes is the way people see you. It has no effect on their lives, but an immensely positive effect on the individual who's coming out on their life. I tell people that the one real common factor among the out transgender people I know is that you can't keep the darn smile off our faces because we're no longer wearing a mask. Um, And I say that that in terms of actual difference in my life, the net difference is that I'm a lot happier, I dress a lot better, and my shape's a tiny little bit different. (laughs) All right. Legally, I, I edited that for radio. I know. I, I appreciated that somehow. But let me ask you, as an attorney, do parents have any recourse against any of this in, in either of these states? You know, if you've got sure. a 15-year-old who is already taking gender-affirming therapy, is, is there anything that a parent can do legally? Look, here's what I'm telling people. They will not legislate us out of existence. We will litigate and vote them out of existence. Um, The problem is, for the current generation, that litigation is going to be taking place while they are struggling with these new laws. 
Some of them have already been enjoined. There are places where they've been rolled back. The attorney general in Missouri had issued his own version of a kind of bizarre executive order. An attorney general can't do that legally, but he did it anyway, banning all forms of care for transgender people. Well, he's already had to roll that back. And he had to do it in the face of litigation that was coming his way. It was an indefensible order. These laws that have been signed by Abbott, DeSantis, uh, Gianforti, and any number of other governors are all going to be challenged. And I think very few of them will hold up because there is no underpinning for them. Uh, some of them ban speech. Some of them ban forms of medical care that the vast number of physicians that the medical authorities and experts say are valid and good and efficacious care, as opposed to the sham doctors who oppose COVID, oppose transgender care. They oppose all sorts of things based on kooky theories that have been cooked up by phony organizations. Uh, like there's one that calls itself the American College of Pediatricians. Well, the American College of Pediatricians is this tiny little right-wing hate group that created a name a few years back to sound like the American Academy of Pediatrics, which is a large 70,000 member group of, of pediatricians who actually know what they're doing and have done studies and are a reputable organization. But the American College of Pediatrics tried to sound official, but it's one guy who got some extremist physicians uh, to sign up. He's got about five to 700 members, depending on, on which document he got hacked. And that's how we know about his documents. Uh, they were actually leaked and they're not reputable. They've been branded a hate group, but they put out publicity that these right-wing attorney generals and governors hang on to. And they cited as well, the American College of Pediatricians says this is bad. Well, that sounds great until you find out who the American College of Pediatricians actually is. And that's the kind of disinformation that is being used to support this nonsense legislation. Kristen, I've got to jump in and just ask you one more. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you to sure. respond to the argument from lawmakers and people that are for blocking this sort of treatment that say they are protecting children. They are keeping children and young people from being able, from having their bodies morphed into something that they might change their minds about later. The desistance rate among transgender people is between one and 2%. And those people are valid and they need to be respected. But look at the desistance rate from marriage. It's 50 to 60%. Look at the desistance rate, the people who hate surgeries that they've had for something else. It's in the 20 to 30%. People get medical treatment all the time. In the case of a transgender person, nobody gets it against their will. Nobody. And when people regret it, you do what you can for them. But this idea that they are protecting children from what? Protecting children from the overreach of government that is leading to undoubtedly more difficult outcomes for kids who have a tough enough time already, who are bullied enough already. They don't need their governors and a bunch of right-wing politicians adding to that mix. That's attorney Kristen Browdy. 
Coming up, the legacy of an era. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Allison Keyes. More intrigue for fans of the Titanic as a 3D scan of the wreckage of the legendary ship could lead to more answers about its demise. The ghostly wreckage of the Titanic has never been more clear. The first full 3D scan shows every angle, from the rusted bow to the captain's bridge and wheelhouse. You call this a digital twin of the ship? Yeah, this is, a, this is something we're not used to because it's new technology. All these scans together allow us to put together an absolute digital replica in every detail, every rivet of the Titanic. And that's extraordinary. It was created with 700,000 images captured by remote-controlled subs last summer. The scan eliminates the distortion of the murky water, showing the full scale of the shipwreck and small details like the serial number on a propeller. It could also offer new clues about the disaster that claimed more than 1,500 lives. Come on. Come on. Even Hollywood's most famous depiction was based on assumptions of how the ship broke apart. We don't even know if she hit it along the starboard side, as shown in all the movies. She might have grounded on the iceberg. And this photogrammetry model is one of the first major steps to driving the Titanic story toward evidence-based research and not speculation. Time is running out because the wreckage is deteriorating rapidly in the deep sea. But this 3D scan now freezes the Titanic in time again. Bradley Blackburn, CBS News, New York. A new museum is being planned in the Catskills honoring the legacy of an era. It wasn't just the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Once upon a time, New Yorkers of all ages rejoiced at the prospect of a trip to New York's Borscht Belt. Half a million people would come up here every summer, and it was a whole ecosystem of hotels and resorts. Andrew Jacobs heads the future Borscht Belt Museum's board of directors. This is the original Kutcher sign that sat on the roof of their building. He says the Catskill Mountains were the perfect getaway for the Jewish community in the 1950s and 60s. You had to get out of the city in the summer. There was tuberculosis, there was crowding, it was horribly hot, there was no AC, and so anyone who could would get out of the city and they come up here. It was the only option for some. You know, the Borscht Belt was born of bigotry. You know, the reason it exists at all is because Jews were not allowed to stay at most of the Gentile-owned establishments, so they had to create their own vacation land. It was immortalized in the movie Dirty Dancing, which returns with a sequel next year. Jacobs hopes to piggyback on the film's popularity and transform Ellenville, New York's abandoned home national bank into the Borscht Belt Museum. What's cool about this bank is it was one of the first banks in the region that would loan money to the Jewish hotel owners and bungalow colony owners. But the good times didn't last. So that whole world really started fading in the late 70s and by the mid 80s, they were it was pretty much vanished with air conditioning becoming more affordable. 
people could stay home in the summer. And then you had cheap airfare. And you could travel. Turn on the TV and you'll see traditions born in the Borscht Belt. You must compromise when you're married. She wanted a fur coat, I want an automobile. We compromise. We bought a fur coat, we keep it in the garage. That carry on today. I believe Watley converted to Judaism just for the jokes. From entertainment to the all-inclusive buffet. A leftover in the basement of the old bank bodes well for Andrew Jacobs' new museum. You know what's crazy? Look at this. Is an abandoned bottle of Borscht. Oh, for the God, CBS God. News Weekend Roundup, I'm Deborah Rodriguez in Ellenville, New York. A famous vehicle is getting a brand new name, even if we all know its song. Oh, I'd love to be an Oscar Mayer wiener. Oscar Mayer is changing the name of its iconic wienermobile. The 27-foot-long hot dog on wheels will now be called the Frankmobile. There are actually six of them, and all will now be rebranded with new decals and Frank whistles. Also, the hot doggers behind the wheel will from here forward be called Frankfurters, of course. So what are they up to with the name change? Kraft Heinz says they're promoting a new recipe for its beef franks, and the new name pays homage to them. Everyone would be in love with me. Stacey Lynn, CBS News. Finally, May is Military Appreciation Month, and Saturday is Armed Forces Day. It is a chance to honor America's heroes, both those who served in the past and those currently protecting the nation. CBS Evening News Managing Editor and Anchor, Nora O'Donnell, with more. It's been 50 years since the military became an all-volunteer force. And while the bravery of the men and women who serve has not changed, the challenges facing them have. What can be done to make it easier for people to enter the Air Force and stay in the Air Force? There's uh, five key things that impact military families. Child care, education, housing, health care, and spouse employment. Those are the things that really help us with the retention and support our, not only our military members, but more importantly, our military families. Air Force Chief of Staff General C.Q. Brown, Jr. and Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force Joanne Bass are both firsts in their roles. We're going to take out the air defenses first. which is Brown, the first black man to serve as chief of staff. One of the things I really believe is young people only aspire to be what they see. You don't decide to grow up to be something you've never seen. And Bass, the first woman to earn her title. These are the photos of all the former chief master sergeants. Of the Air Force. Of the Air Force. Yes. You're the only <laughs> woman on this wall. Yeah. It is humbling and it's It's an honor to be able to serve alongside heroes and visionaries. All military branches are struggling to recruit and retain service members. While there are multiple factors, one is a pervasive culture of harassment and bullying. I'm very focused on developing the culture within organizations where all of our men can reach their full potential, where they have zero detractors, whether it's sexual assault, discrimination, harassment, bullying, those are the areas, and that takes leadership. We've stayed in touch with many of the survivors that we have talked to over the years, and they believe that the Air Force is letting perpetrators get away with it. What would you say to those survivors? Our goal is to hold all those accountable. Can we do better? Yes. Um, there's always room for improvement. And with Saturday being Armed Forces Day, these Air Force leaders want to honor those who serve, past and present, across all of the branches of the military. It's really a way to say thank you and a way to say, uh, uh, show our appreciation to all those who have served. On Armed Forces Day, what do you want Americans to know about the military? 
We want America to know some of the caliber of the men and women who serve in the United States military. They are probably some of um, the most talented, most educated people um, in our nation. Nora O'Donnell, CBS News. That's it for the weekend roundup. Thanks for listening. We want to get your feedback. Send us your thoughts and story ideas to Weekend Roundup at cbsnews.com. As always, you can find the program online on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. The Weekend Roundup is produced at the CBS News Washington Bureau. Sarah Fishman is the technical supervisor, and Alan Pang provides production assistance. Tara Lipinski is the executive producer. Have a great week. I'm Allison Keyes, CBS News. If you like CBS News Roundup, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Survivor's back and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.